Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Oh, we got your playoff questions mailbag coming up here in just a minute. So much love. It's unbelievable how much everybody... Loves Baker Mayfield, wants to sign him to a 25-year contract. Todd Bowles is Lombardi. Like, this thing has turned. But we got all your questions and and other stuff, too, I'm sure, uh, on their mailbag segment. But first, Baker Mayfield. Is there anything else to talk about? Baker Mayfield got a little bit disrespected. And, you know, this is just more fuel to his underdog fire. And for that matter, that's kind of what the Bucks have been thriving on as well. This time, it came from Lions and former Saints and Eagles defensive back C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who managed to insult Mayfield just, just a little bit. Uh, now, he was being – it's funny because it was kind of backhanded. He, he, was, he was actually being very complimentary of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and their supporting cast – Gardner Johnson said that that group, he said they're, they, they would be a great group. They're a good group, but they would be a great group if they had a, quote, good quarterback. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch, babe. <laughs> he said, if you give Tampa, if you give that Tampa group a good quarterback, that's a great group. Evans, Godwin. And they said, a little mistake here, Russell Gage. Yeah, that's a great group. I played against them for real. Yeah, one thing, and and Mayfield pounced all over it. That was a great Russell comeback. Gage, great comeback. Yeah, yeah, it was great. He he goes. So we asked Mayfield, and he had seen it, of course, and he was ready uh, in the press conference. And we talked to him. He goes, "Yeah, I don't think he's really watched film because he mentioned Russell Gage, and you know, like we love Russell Gage, <laughs> and but he hasn't played a snap all year for us, so." <laughs> Uh, he must be going off preseason stuff and what the media was talking about, but he didn't play in our first game. So like, you know, I'm excited to see him. I think he's a really good player, but you know, yeah, he may want to do a little more film study. Uh, I love the back and forth like this. This is what every playoff game needs. You need a little salsa. You need a little pepper. You need a little, you know, spice it up just a bit. The Lions are really happy. They're feeling themselves. They should. They, you know, hadn't had a, a home playoff game in 30 years. They beat a really good Rams team, and it was a close game, one-point game. And and they say that, you know, the Ford Field right now, that dome is one of the loudest that has ever been heard before, just in terms of the decibels that they produced up there. What was it, 133.6? They say that's the comparable to a jet engine, which is pleasant to think about. But um, aside from that, yeah, you just have won one playoff game. It's not like you know these dudes, as a franchise anyway, aren't that far removed from a Super Bowl. And for that matter, they got two. Um, so yeah, it was it was fun because uh, you know the one thing the Bucks have done, and they really had no choice but to embrace sort of their underdog role. And they're they're a six point underdog in this game too. 
But really going back, you know, the whole off-season thing, being ranked 31st by, I think, SI in the power rankings and people picking them to win two, maybe three games. And when I say people, I mean like national publications and stuff. And and so they've had this shoulder chip, and there's no bigger underdog, right, that wears it than Baker Mayfield. I mean, Baker Mayfield is the dude that, you know, had all the accolades and the Heisman Trophy and, you know, a lot of swag, and then he goes into Cleveland. People couldn't wait to see him fail, you know, because he was that smart-alecky guy that, like, you know, and but he was young, and he, and he will admit that, you know, he learned – what you can and can't say, and you can't demean the organization you're with and all those things. But he went through a trial, and then all of a sudden he was with a different team every week after that. You know, Carolina, then the Rams, now the Bucks, um, And so he's kind of, you know, really stabilized, but he still has he still has that swag, uh, which Todd Bowles likes about it. He wants him to be himself. And, you know, so from that standpoint, uh, they couldn't be more happy, obviously, but – yeah, he just says, you know, when our backs are against the wall, you know, um, that's kind of when we're at our best, you know, is that we're always going to be underdogs and, um, you know, that's fine, fine with them, you know. So, yeah, that's that's sort of what he's had to embrace. And I don't – look, I don't think this will be – this won't be a story unless somehow Gardner Johnson ends up with a pick or they or they throw a ball over his head or something like that. But it's cool. Like I, this is the way it used to be, right? Absolutely. I don't, you know, from Gardner Johnson's perspective. I, I know you were trying to be complimentary, but why are you doing that? <laughs> I don't know, man. Dan Campbell's not happy. I promise. No, you. I, and <laughs> I I'm guessing you. I'm guessing his teammates aren't that happy either. No, and, and you like, don't poke the bear. <laughs> you know, it's not, not like you just came out and said their quarterbacks. Try. I mean, he's trying to compliment the receivers, as you said. But he was. He was. Yeah. If they had a good quarterback, yep, they'd be great. They'd be great then. Yeah, he's not, and he's not like a good enough corner to do it <laughs> to anybody. Like you know, there's a reason he's been with three teams in like three years. You know, he's okay, um, and maybe he'll back it up and and have have some big plays. But um, yeah, it was, you know, back in the day, like this is this is sort of what the NFL was, right? You go way back. It was Ed Tutal Jones saying about Terry Bradshaw that he was so dumb that he couldn't spell cat if you spotted him the C and the T, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like stuff like that. <laughs> and Terry still, like, it's still to this day. And I talked to Terry a little, about something a little while ago, um, and he's to this day. He's like, "Man, you know all that dumb stuff. Everybody said I was so dumb, and if I'm so dumb, how did I how did I call my own plays? You know, and all that stuff." And uh, it's just it's it kind of stuck to him because the NFL back then was all about that, right? The Joe Namath guarantee, where I guarantee we're going to win the Super Bowl. That's kind of what it used to be, and then you know, then social media happened, and in some ways it was worse. But um, you don't you don't really have like sort of this sort of you know backhanded insult that usually comes out. I was grateful because, frankly, I didn't know what else I could write about Baker Mayfield after all this time. <laughs> so I was like, uh, "Who's that? Is that a knock at my door? Oh, it's room service. Yeah, just leave the tray outside." You know, it was like that was perfect. You know, <laughs> it's like, "Thank you. I am hungry. I will eat this." Um, so that was great. But um, you know, and Bake, I mean, he's loose. 
You know, we saw him. Have you seen him? Like, he was mic'd up for that game. It was crazy. So they got this one play. If you recall the last touchdown, it was a cover zero to uh, uh, to Chris Godwin. Godwin yep. And yeah, and he and he looks out there, and he know he he feels like okay, they're going to bring everybody, and it's probably cover zero. And tell me that this isn't like the the most, you know, look, Jim Harbaugh is stealing signs on the sidelines in college, right? Somehow, Baker Mayfield looks at Godwin, and he's like, "Be ready, Chris." <laughs> so. Be ready, Chris. Not like Razor or, you know, some code word, you know, like Larry or what. Like, it's just, be ready, Chris. And so, you know, Chris sees the coverage. There's just single high safety or whatever. Streaks right down the middle of the field. Baker throws it up, touchdown. And I thought, man, if I'm covering that dude and the quarterback looks at him and tells him to be ready, maybe I should be ready. You know? <laughs> It's not like he used a hand signal or, you know, a big, you know, sign of Pee Wee Herman or something on the sideline. Like this dude, he looked at him and told him to be ready before they snapped the ball. So, yeah. Um, oh, I thought I he thought, was just telling him to be ready for the snap. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't know. Maybe he wasn't ready. Maybe he was telling <laughs> – he knew that he wasn't going to be ready, so told him to be ready. You know who wasn't ready? The DB. The DB was not ready. <clears throat> and um, he usually threw it up there because I knew he's out there somewhere. So that was fun. But yeah, so it's look the the Bucks. I really do believe that they're playing with a lot of house money. And and the people that say, "Well, you got nothing to lose," yeah, they do. They have everything to lose. Their season will be over. And you work hard. You know, you go back to July or even before that. You know, the OTAs in you know off season program in March, and then OTAs in May and June, and and you know training camp all these games and digging out of a hole and you get here and it's like, yeah, you've exceeded expectations right outside the building, but how many times you getting back this far, right? Not only did you make the playoffs, you won a game and now you're one game away for playing for the NFC title, right? For a chance, 60 minutes, a chance to be 60 minutes from a Super Bowl. Like it would be, I don't even want to think about it because I'm trying to like, this would be one of the, well, it, it it has a chance. <laughs> Let's say this: as improbable as it was that Tom Brady came out of you know came out of New England, right? And during COVID, of course, most Tampa thing ever, won a Super Bowl in his first year in Tampa Bay. Unbelievable, right? I would argue to you, this would be a bigger accomplishment by Baker Mayfield and Todd Bowles if they were to somehow. Eighty million dollars in in uh, you know dead money, like all this stuff. Baker on his fourth team, like everything, like losing streak, five out of six, then to win seven out of eight. If they did this, it'd be the biggest story in in Tampa Bay history, in my opinion. Could we say that Todd Bowles is a better coach than Bruce Arians? Because he won a Super Bowl without Tom Brady. I well. I mean, his record's not going to say that from the Jets or from you know from the Bucks, even if he does win it all. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, the playing field is not the same. It's not. It's not like hey, we had a team that was really close to winning. A, you know, really close to winning, and we just were a quarterback away. And then we got Brady and added a few pieces, and boom, we were, you know, we couldn't be stopped. We won eight in a row, and and um, you know, the goat got his seventh ring, and everybody was happy. 
that's a hell of an accomplishment. For, they're hard to win anyway. I mean, it's ridiculous how hard they are. So it's hard, you can't take that away from from Bulls or uh, I'm sorry um, from BA, but especially during COVID. But this would be a greater. I, I don't know that he'd be as great a coach because he doesn't have the track record that taught. You know, I mean, BA's won everywhere. He was coach of the year twice. But my goodness, people calling for this guy's job halfway through the season, wanting a new quarterback, all that went on. Halfway through the uh, season, some were saying if they didn't win the playoff game, he was out. Well, a lot of people, you're, that's a great point. A lot of people have changed their tune, and they know who they are. And they were saying, some were saying, yeah, that that it wasn't enough to win the division, that, that they had to win, had to win a playoff game for him to keep his job. I never thought that was the case, by the way. I thought maybe if they got, you know, 50 to nothing and it was just didn't look like they had any effort, like that might be a discussion that the Glazers would have, especially with the people that are available. Um, but, yeah, it's it would be a bigger damn deal, in my opinion, which only counts on this podcast, but it would be bigger than Brady coming here and doing it. It just would. I mean, you agree or disagree? What do you think? I mean – Brady was a better story, or maybe a, a you know. Well, let's not forget. I mean, it's probably a, a bigger accomplishment, but let's not forget Brady came to a franchise that hadn't made the playoffs in twelve years. Yeah, that's true too. And so you could credit him with changing the culture of this mm-hmm. franchise. Absolutely, that well, might be it. Mm, but that's but a good for point. Todd Bowles and them to do it with fifty-five million dollars of dead cap money, yeah, and a bunch of uh, a really no younger, free agents, a, a lot younger team. Yeah, and, yeah. 15, I mean, what, what, 13, 14, whatever, 15 rookies, whatever was at the beginning of the season? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Quarterback I mean, on his fifth, fourth team. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it's so improbable. It's it's weird to think about, but but here we are. You know, you're 60 minutes from being 60 minutes away to go to the Super Bowl. Like, just just crazy. And, um, and they're loose. Look like, you know, like I said, they do have something to lose. Their season's mm-hmm. on the line. Uh, but I think there's a lot of pressure on the Lions, and the key to this thing is you can't go out there and get off to a slow start. You can't. That crowd is going to be so lit all through the game anyway mm-hmm. that you can't give them a reason to you know to start uh, creating problems for you on offense, and you know get false starts. And you can't you can't make mistakes. It's going to be hard to communicate. Um, so yeah, all that all that's important. But I do think that the longer you can stay in this game momentum will will go to your sideline. It will shift sidelines mm-hmm. because there's such an expectation. It's been such a party all week long in Detroit. These people, they were crying in the stands. Like, generation had never seen them in a playoff, never seen them win a game. Um, for them to do what they did and to now be just, you know, one win away, and, and it, let's face it, they're like a six-point favorite. The expectation could swallow them. If things go bad early, mm-hmm. if they get down – then, then Jared Goff starts to press, you know, and Jared played an unbelievable game last week in the first half. He was like 14 out of his first 14. Second half was not good, and he is he has dominated this Buccaneers team over the years, going back two, three years ago. Brady didn't beat him, you know, and and he's always thrown for a lot of a lot of completions, a lot of yards, and and he kind of knows how to uh, how to attack or counterattack Todd Bowles's defense, but. If he's not sharp and there's a turnover or two and it starts to head the other way, um, look out because that pressure, that expectation will swallow them in that stadium. Like Those people are so 
you know, they've got them going all the way to all the way to Vegas, I'm sure. And um that's just not that easy. You know, another NFL team is standing in front of you and they don't have the pressure. They don't have the expectations. And sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes you just go out there and cut it loose and see how you do. So we'll talk more about uh the Bucks and their matchup with the Detroit Lions, of course, uh, as we get into tomorrow's podcast. But first, your mailbag questions in just one second. Boy, some of these some of these are just comments too. Um but uh, certainly people are interested in the Bucks. want to remind you guys, though, that the, for the past 14 years, the skilled pros of May Electric Solar have been installing solar energy systems in Florida now. They provide the most reliable solar equipment, the best installation methods, and service while helping homeowners cut energy costs with an environmentally friendly investment. May Electric Solar uses their own skilled employees, never subcontractors, and they've always offered the safest and most reliable equipment. Well, now May Electric Solar offers a 30-year no-cost equipment replacement and labor warranty. That means for 30 years, May Electric Solar, backed by Solar Insure, means that your roof, electrical, and equipment replacement is all covered. Solar Insure even survives May Electric Solar. It's owned by the homeowner with no deductibles or additional fees. This policy will transfer to new homeowners also with no fee. This is not a blanket insurance policy. In fact, only the best contractors are even allowed to be part of this program. May Electric Solar's reputation and history of workmanship has earned them this membership. To learn more about May Electric Solar's installation and their 30-year warranty, call 727-819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. All right, we got a little time for a couple of mailbag questions. We can carry some of those over as well. Let's get started. All right, Brian asks, which player for the Bucks has to have a great game for the Buccaneers to win on Sunday? Well, I mean, yeah, the obvious answer would be Baker Mayfield. You know, ba- Baker Mayfield has to play his best game. He has to be the reason that they're able to get in and out of, of good situations. He has to be great in the red zone, which they not, weren't necessarily early in the game last week, but they did put up a ton of points. If Baker Mayfield uh, plays really, really well, they're going to have a chance because de- it'll, mean, it'll mean this. It'll mean that their defense – is not stranded on the field, right? That they're not having to get turnovers or, um, you know, field position because your offense is moving the ball. So they could keep their defense rested and let those guys get after it if they're able to build a little bit of a lead. Um, now, outside of Baker Mayfield, um, who that's tough. I think they got to get pressure on Jared Goff, but it's so hard because he throws the ball so quickly. You know, like it's just difficult to get there. Um, hmm. Who do I like? Who do you like, Steve? You got a favorite here that's going to be a difference maker? I'm going to say it's got to be Rashad White. That's a good one, too. Control the ball. They need to, whether it's running or even some swing passes in that. Yeah, I think that opens up the downfield game for Baker. No doubt, play action is there. Yeah, you know he, that's a I, good one. I think Rashad White's got to have. He doesn't have to be great, but he's got to have a really good game. Well, in these kind of games, and I would agree with you. I mean, if they get Rashad White going, they could pretty much pick their poison. Just in general, like in these kinds of games, the people, the teams that win it, your best players have to be your best players, right? Like Mike Evans can't drop balls in the end zone. Can't happen. They overcame that a week ago because I think Philly was so bad, and 
you know, you had guys step up in David Moore uh, and Trey Palmer because they were getting man coverage and they, they took a couple of short passes to the house. But if that doesn't happen, they're in a dogfight. And your best players have to play big. So that means Mike Evans has to play big. Uh, Chris Godwin has to play big. Um, you have to have that. But also, on the other side of the ball, Antoine Winfield Jr. is an all-pro safety. And big players step up in these these games. Now that, that's, that's where your reputation for the next five, ten years is forged. You know, people are going to get in that Hall of Fame room one day maybe and say, yeah, but how did he do, you know, in the postseason? Or, you know, did his team advance beyond the first round? And so I think, you know, just the kind of year the guy is having wouldn't shock me if Antoine Winfield mm-hmm. Jr. ends up with a turnover or two, and that's the difference in the game. I think Levante David has to have a big game, and I say that because when they met, what was it, week six, seven, whatever it was back then? October, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That he took Laporte out of the game for the most part. He did. That like, was Yeah, that was nice. Like he He's a linebacker that can actually cover tight ends. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. when a lot of times you're seeing safeties in that trying to cover tight ends down the field, it becomes a mismatch. Yeah. Levante David could take your tight end for the most part out of it because he can cover, you know, he can cover in space. Yeah. And so if if you could take the tight end away from Goff, that limits him significantly. Right. And if you just wanted to pick a side of the ball, the defense is what gives them a chance in this game mm-hmm. because you know the Lions are solid. They can run it. They can throw it. But if you can keep them from from controlling the football and give the ball back to your offense, if you do that enough times, you get a turnover or two, um, you get some negative plays, some sacks. That's a, it, that's what's going to win this game. It's going to be the Bucks defense humming, and they're healthy. They got both corners. They got Zion McCallum at safety. Um, there, there's really no excuse from an injury standpoint. Kansi's been great. Diaby's been great. Um, you know, Vita Vea is a, is a factor in the middle. So if your defense shows up like it's a playoff defense, like it did 2020 when they went to New Orleans and, you know, they're about to go down 14 and all of a sudden, you know, you know, here comes Winfield with this, you know, strack, uh, strip sack and, you know, you had White pick it up and run it back in the field. And they wound up, I think, outscoring – in that game, after at that point, I think they scored the next eleven points. Um, but you need that kind of effort, and it'll be interesting to see sort of like when Devin gets on the field because he's been sharing that position with KJ Britt. Mm-hmm. If he's going to be a playmaker, is is it going to ignite him? Is he going to be the guy uh, that gets the ball out, that picks the ball up, that intercepts the ball? Because he has that kind of talent. He really does, and if he's if he's quote unquote that old word motivated, whatever that means, then that it could be a nice night for the Bucks. Ellis asked, "The Bucks game against Philly could be the last time that we see Levante David play at Raymond James Stadium. What's his legacy?" Well, he's the second greatest linebacker in Bucks history, and that's only because the guy that was first is a first ballot Hall of Fame player um, in Derek Brooks, and. That's not a slight uh, on a career that's been slighted, you know. Uh, unfortunately for Levante, his first seven, eight years never came close to the playoffs. And as a result, being in the small market of Tampa, where, you know, the, the games weren't televised throughout the nation very often, he didn't get votes for the Pro Bowl. And he's been snubbed more than anyone uh, in, in, you know, 
well, during the time I've been doing this anyway, and for the Bucks. So, yeah, his his legacy will be the guy that sort of he's always going to be compared to. He's the next dude. He was next, you know. There's the OG and Derek Brooks, and then there's Levante David. Could he make the Hall of Fame still? I think so. It might take a little longer than it should, but when you start looking at what he's done and you compare him with other linebackers in this league, those dudes are either in the Hall of Fame or they're headed there. Like, there's just nobody that's been as consistent and as productive as Levante David. And he does it on all three levels, you know, tackles for loss, sacks, interceptions, fumble recoveries, forced fumbles. Like, he can fill up a stat sheet. Um, so you'd like to think that reasonable minds would prevail, but, you know, they're looking at things like all decade and, you know, this and that. Um, all I know is the guy is, I mean, I, I think, Steve, you could argue, after, you know, apart from the 02 teams, that that next dude, you know, the most accomplished guy after that, bigger than Gerald McCoy, uh, bigger than almost anybody they've had on defense, is Levante David. He's he's the face of the modern defense for the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, McCoy would have been the other one. Would have been, yeah. But Levante stayed longer, won a ring. Yeah, there you go. And... Mm-hmm. You know, and it now four straight playoffs, which has never been done in this franchise history. Three straight and division playing, championships. Playing at that level at mm-hmm. 34. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, he's, you know, outside of the fact that he's not as flashy and as vocal and, you know, on the field, you know, he is he is the face of that franchise. Yeah. No, he is. You know, Ever I, since, yeah. And I think every guy in the locker room would tell you that, too. Yeah, no, and, and they, they have so much reverence for him, and they should, and he takes such good care of his body. Will he play next year? I, I don't – I don't. I, you know, he's been year to year for a while now. Um, maybe he won't, won't sign for that crappy contract again, even though he's made a bunch of money in incentives. Um, I think he'll pocket some 7 or $8 million this year, even though the contract was for four. But he loves football. He loves the game, and – I don't know. There's a shift. Like it used to be, you know, guys didn't play as long as they do now, but you know, whatever's outside of football, it'll be there. It'll be waiting for you. But to me, as long as you can hang on, as long, and I don't mean like hang on from the standpoint of, yeah, he can't play. We're just paying him to be here. But as, as long as he can go out there and do what he did this season, then you should keep doing it. You know, it's the old Brady thing. Like, why should I retire? We don't have. Hey, you're a really good dentist. You should retire. You should hang it up. Stop, stop, you know, cleaning teeth, whatever. Um, he loves what he does, and it'll be up to his wife, and he has a child now, which could factor into it. But, yeah, man, he, he's got – he knows how to get ready for Sunday. He knows how to take care of his injuries. He's on the injury report, you know, again this week. But, like, uh, I'd love to see him back. I really would. I He's this, yeah. He's after Derek Brooks, and of course, you eliminate the Hall of Famers. He's that guy, right? If you go past those four Hall of Fame players, um, I think Levante David is next. Boo gas. Will they try to re-sign playoff Lenny? <laughs> I didn't think about it. Uh, no, the short answer is no. They don't really have a place for him now. If somebody were to get hurt. And I mean hurt bad. Eh, probably still wouldn't start him. Maybe a practice squad 
try out? I, I don't know. You know, it's that's a hard one for me. I, I don't think so, though. No. All right, Les asks, is what Todd Bowles did this year the best coaching job in Tampa Bay Buccaneers history? Or can you even go further and say it's the best job in Tampa Bay sports history? Oof. I don't know about that. I would say no to sports history. Um, well, well, I think but, okay, well, what would be the best coaching job in Tampa Bay sports history? Is it Joe Madden in the 08 Rays? I think my Madden getting to, this, to the World Series in 08 so unexpectedly in, in, in the rookie year of Evan Longoria after losing 100 all those years as a franchise, including him losing 100, would probably be the biggest, quickest turnaround, the most remarkable. But it wouldn't be getting feat. to the 79 championship game after going 0-26 two years prior? Mm, that's up there. Yeah, that's up there. He didn't make it to the world. He didn't make it to the Super Bowl. Though, no, whereas no. the Rays made it yeah. to the World Series. Um, that was close, but not close enough. And when they got to the championship, they got beat nine to nothing by a Rams team that then then got beat by the Steelers. But hey, listen, I I thought the Lightning's first Stanley Cup was pretty remarkable in '04. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know that everybody thought that was going to occur. Halfway through the, the season, they, they were like it. 500. Yeah, and the way they did it, going into Calgary in game six and Calgary and having to win there and then pulling it off, Jerome Aginla and those guys, like it was, that's pretty epic stuff. And they won a championship. Like They actually brought the hardware home. So these other two things are examples of, you know, just a little bit short, but now they're all very worthy. Um, it would be huge. Like I can't, like I said, we'd be writing about, you know, well, who is better for the Bucks, Manning? Or I'm sorry, Manning. Uh, he's better for the Bucks. <laughs> you know, he'd be really good if he could still play. Uh, <laughs> you know, is it Brady? Is it Baker? Right? Like who 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 did it better? You know, um, who wore it better? It's like People Magazine with you know the two people are wearing the same outfits. Like who wore it better? Uh, but I, for all those backstories, for all the intrigue and the personalities and the you know really the They've just been long shots all the way. Yeah, man. I don't know. I think this would. I think winning a Super Bowl this might this might be the greatest accomplishment. Might be. Jim asks. He says, "Just curious. Where was Flacco when the Bucks signed Baker Mayfield? Was he ever in the mix? I am pro shake and bake, by the way. And unless I missed it, what did you think of Jameis's no kneel down tutty play? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know that you missed it. Check your sheet. Um. Let's take the first one first. No, I don't think Joe Flacco was on anybody's radar because he was sitting on a couch, and there was a lot of quarterbacks that got hurt this year. And it took – they got down to their fourth one in Cleveland before they called him. Um, remarkable, remarkable what he did. However, everybody sees the wins and the touchdowns. He threw a boatload of interceptions. You know, he did not do what they needed him to do, which was protect the football. They had the, you know, one of the top defenses in the league. He certainly made plays for him, and he won games. But when it was really crunch time against C.J. Stroud, you know, we got a couple of pick sixes. And that, that just can't happen, right? That was a sad way to sort of end that story because coming off the couch, never easy. But it just goes to show you, like, Brady, Brady was able to defeat time in the sense that he knew everything and, and played at such a high level but his skills had not eroded. He could still throw the ball, period. Like, he was a good thrower of the football. Um, So you never saw that. But, uh, yeah, man, um, 
And Jameis, listen, I think we know what we know who and what Jameis is, right? I mean, he's kind of he's kind of become a little bit of a caricature, if you will, a little bit of a mascot, you know, because he doesn't play, and when he does, he doesn't necessarily play extremely well, and yet he he just keeps showing up and making news and making headlines about himself, and. I don't know that that's what I want my backup quarterback to do. You know, it's one thing if you're playing and people are always going to write about the quarterback, you can't do anything. But like to kind of be this, once again, defiant, look at me, I know better than the organization. The thing I don't get is is why he didn't get this. Like, you know, why, and I've heard players back him and it's bizarre to me. I mean, I was an athlete. I think if you stop, telling or stop following what the coach wants you to do you can't play for me anymore I, it's as simple as that like you know and all the players that were interviewed were like oh man I love James right behind James good for him man right thing to do no no it wasn't it's was a wrong thing to do you don't have that right you don't you know there's a reason why the coach is calling the plays because you're supposed to do what he asks period or he'd let you call your own. But the fact that you weren't, you can't just decide. We took a vote. We all decided. Come on, man. What is that? And it, and it also, you know, made Atlanta look bad. Of course, you know, Arthur Smith is fired now anyway. But um, what goes around comes around. That's all I'll say. You know, and I don't think he helped himself because there's a lot of owners that saw that and were probably turned off by it. You know, a lot of coaches. doesn't listen to his coach. <laughs> A lot of coaches, yeah, owners and coaches. But it's an ownership question because you're bringing in a quarterback. You got to tell him what's his role and how much do we got to pay him and all that. Um, but yeah, a lot of coaches didn't like it, and rightfully so. Shouldn't have happened. It was just bad judgment. And we've seen it's not like this guy uses great judgment. I mean, going back to Florida State and everything else. So unfortunate for Jameis, but I disagreed with what he did. I thought it was Bush League. And then you can't just, you know, overrule, you know, the old man is wrong. We're running, we're getting a touchdown. Why? You think that touchdown matters that much to that guy? Come on, man. Because he got his first touchdown. And the worst of it was not that they scored or they couldn't stop him from scoring. It was that you pretty much declared you were going to take a knee. So you got the defense showing decorum and relaxing and standing up flat-footed and then you come off the ball and and beat on them to get in the end zone, that could be very unsafe. I just wish Jameis would have tried that against a Greg Schiano coach team. <laughs> oh, whoa. <laughs> yeah. That's the perfect combination, right? Jameis running it in when you're up, what, 30, and then well, I mean, Greg Schiano. You know, team wouldn't have been sitting there cordially letting you score. No, you'd been <laughs> kneecapping people, diving, diving at people's needs. That was a disaster. We came. I was talking about that game the other day at the, at the Giants, and Tom Coughlin was a coach, and the Bucks actually got way ahead. Like I think they were up at least twenty four to ten or something like that. And for whatever reason, if Chiano does nothing but run the ball and just play cover two, just don't let anything go over our heads, they're not going to get the ball enough to win. But he didn't do that. <laughs> it was the damnedest thing, and they kept throwing the ball over their heads, and he kept, you know, playing single high and. Peyton, you know, or Eli Manning went nuts. And then after the game, when they were diving at his feet on fourth down uh, for the kneel down, Tom Coughlin got in Shano's face and wagged his finger at him. 
I just think Jameis just... should have said, well, if they would have watched our tapes at Florida State. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. We decide when the guy scores a touchdown. You don't decide. All right. But, yeah, it was kind of – it was – it's just – I I think you got to have – you know, sports is short for sportsman, sportsmanship. You know, you're supposed to have some regard for what's behind you. I don't know. Steve asks, fans aren't privy to what goes on behind the scenes, but does the NFL care that there are officiating issues, or do high TV ratings give it an excuse to, quote, just keep moving to the next week? I think it's the latter. Um, I – I don't understand it because, you know, they've got more money than anyone right now, billions and billions and stuff. It's like, you don't think the guy working for Mutual of Omaha wouldn't quit his job just to be a full-time official? You think there's a shortage of these dudes? You know, they all have other jobs and businesses and things, but it's time. the time has come and passed in a multi-billion dollar industry. Do you really want somebody, you know, that does this, part-time to drop a flag and determine the outcome of a Super Bowl. I mean, this is history. So it never made sense for me. There's plenty of money to get crews paid. And, um, yeah, I just, I don't get it, man. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Tommy asks, Guys, between Mike Evans and Steven Stamkos, which one will finish their career with the respective team or will both end their careers with the respective franchise? What a great question. If we could give a question of the day, this would be it, right? It's a fantastic question. Are we man. supposed to like swing, sing now, question of the day, question of the day? Oh. That's right. <laughs> Start of the day, question of the day. What comes that? What? Uh, oh, to Dan Patrick. Um Wow. More likely to go is Steven Stamkos. And I'll tell you why. Um, I think Mike Evans would like to finish his career here. I just think he wants fair value. Now, he's been different in terms of his temperament, talking to us, talking in general. Not his play. His play has been inspiring, really. Um, you know, when you tie for the league league and touchdowns and make a 10th straight, you know, thousand yard season, all that. Um, but the bucks will have enough money to do what they need to do. They'll, they'll have enough money, you know, to bring Baker back on a new deal. They'll have enough money, um, you know, to probably sign one or two of their free agents that they prioritize. Devin White won't be back, but they don't I don't think they want him back necessarily. Um I'm trying to think who the other like there's some key free I mean Winfield will be franchised. Yep. Yeah, if they don't sign him, he's getting the franchise. If somehow he's not under contract. Oh, it would help them to sign him to a long term deal because you could lower the, mm-hmm. the cap value of his of his uh contract. But yeah. I, I think I think so. 
I would have I said think, for sure Stamkos would be there longer until the Bucks won the division and then a playoff game. You think that changes it? Well, I, I think if you were going into – if the Bucks were going into a rebuild next year. Yeah, that's a good point. You if might they, say if they were going to new coaches, new yeah. quarterback, this, you may say we're not going to yeah. spend that much when we already have Chris Godwin under contract. And he might say, I don't want to go through a rebuild. I got three years left. I want to, I want to win a championship. That too. Yeah. But now it looks like Todd Bowles is going to be back next year. I'm assuming they want to re-sign Baker Mayfield Baker next year. Baker wants to be back, yeah. You know, they want to keep most of their guys. You know, maybe Devin White's not, but that. Add to it. And I know. would think staying here, Mike, knowing Mike wants to stay, I think both guys want to finish their career here. But knowing yeah. that we have a chance to win here, Mm-hmm. is a big part That'll of that be important. I, I think That'll be a big part. I think had it been a, a rebuild, which was possible just a month and a half, two months ago, when they were in a skid of, what, six out of seven they were losing. Yeah, yeah. You know, at that point, I would have said, eh, Mike's probably gone. I would, too. And the one the one exception, I mean, let's assume money is close to the same, and, you know, you might have to give them the hometown discount because, you know, there's no state income tax, mm-hmm. whatever. You want a good team or whatever those excuses are. Um, I think there's one place. And I haven't talked to anybody about this, so I don't know. I'm just I'm. And Mike hasn't told me this. His agents know that. There's one place that makes makes sense more than Tampa, mm-hmm. and it's the Houston Texans. Yep. You know, C.J. Stroud is such an ascending talent. I don't know how great he's going to be, but make no mistake, what he's doing is historical. He is great. And you look at that Houston team, this is a rookie quarterback, so that means for the next four years, he ain't getting $45 million. You got cap room. You got money to spend and to build around this dude. And they've got good receivers. Um, He's been phenomenal. And why not, if you were going to go somewhere else, go about an hour from your home in Galveston and be able to be back in Texas and playing – not just for any team, but for like maybe the most upstart team in, in the NFL and have a chance in the next year or two to win a Super Bowl there. You know, again, the division isn't great, much like the NFC South, but it would be a rare chance to be close to home if that matters to him or not. I assume it does. He spends a lot of time there. Um, so I think it's more likely that that would happen, you know, Um. But they're going to do everything they can to keep him. And so with Stamkos, I just feel like he's gone, Steve. There's been no sign that says to me that the organization really wants to keep him here. None. Well, Julian Breeswall just this week said he thinks Stamkos will be back next year. They're just not willing. I shouldn't say what. Julian Breeswall has said repeatedly he wants to see where this team's at what the pieces are and what they need at the end of this year, and then we'll make those decisions. Now, we know the NHL cap is supposed to go up for the first time substantially this year in years. It's supposed to be 4 to $5 million more. I don't think Stamkos gets $8.5 million a year, which is what he's made for the last eight. So the question, I think the question with Stamkos is, what's he willing to play for? Does the Lightning... Do they make the playoffs this year? You know, what does the team look like at this year? And then, you know, what pieces does Julian Breeswell think this team needs? I think they want Stamkos back. 
I, I just after four years of a flat cap and watching guy after guy after guy after guy leave because they're trying to stay competitive, you can't overpay a thirty four year old guy like Stamkos. So what's he worth? You know, they're going to use their analytics and their department, you know, and, and, and that and their people to sit there and figure out what they think he's worth in the cap to stay competitive. Don't you see another NHL team overpaying him like Toronto, like somebody that just says, screw it. We need that one piece, that one superstar that's won a couple cups. Mm-hmm. He's going to make a difference and we can get him because he's from here. Well, sure. Like, but but don't forget, he spurned them eight years ago. I know. I know. And they did. offered a lot more. They were willing to offer a lot more than what Tampa did. Well, this is his last bite of the yeah. apple, man. <laughs> and and that, but, you know, he's made, what, 100 and whatever million. So the question is, and this is different for every person, you know, what are you willing to play for? And if you want to stay in Tampa, yeah, you know, how much of a discount are you willing to give? Or what's the price tag to leave? You know, Alex Kalorn was offered a contract from the Lightning. We don't necessarily know how much. There's been some reports of what it might have been. Yeah, yeah. But he got four years at twenty five million total, six and a quarter a year to go to Anaheim. He said, mm-hmm. I can't turn that down. Even right. though and when he was back in town last week, he said he's going to retire to Tampa. Oh, he will, yeah. You know, he's not leaving this area. He's just playing in Anaheim for the next four years. I'm not sure Stamkos will leave either. He may not either. You know, and yeah. so so selfless plug, but he was on a block party podcast that the Tampa Bay Lightning put out. Uh, it was a live show on Tuesday we did. Okay, and he talked about how much he loves Tampa, and his parents love coming to Tampa, and you yeah. know everything about this place is fantastic, and he loves it. Yeah, I, I think he genuinely wants to stay here. I do too. You know, now say the Lightning offer, you know, who knows what it'll be, but say six, they lowball him. So, but let's say they they view he's worth six, and they'll give him four or five years to make it. You know, okay, there's a thirty million dollar contract. Hmm. Toronto offers eight a year. Is that enough to go? Is it ten? Is it? You know, I mean, maybe not because you know it costs to move, and then you got to think about lifestyle, and mm-hmm. you know, are you gonna are you coming back here anyway? And you know, yeah, yeah mean, there's you a know, lot. Or to whether think it's about. whether it's Florida Panthers who could really use a veteran like that, maybe, or mm-hmm. you know, I mean, are, are there teams willing to overpay for a guy like Stamkos? Absolutely, sure. there are. Absolutely, there are. Is he, willing, is, yeah, is he willing to go there, and, and, and what is the price difference, and is it worth it to him? And, and it's, easy for just, us, it's easy for us to sit there and say he should or shouldn't do whatever, you know, but it's, you know, everybody's got their own priorities. I just wonder if they've hurt his feelings to this point. You know what I mean? Like, didn't offer him a contract, didn't, you know. Mm-hmm. I just wonder if it's, if, they've, if, he's gotten, if it's gotten personal yet, you know. Or a little too personal yet, and and I don't know the other the other one to watch is Victor Hedman in this. True. So Hedman come July one when NHL free agency starts, which is the new league year. You could you can only sign so NHL contracts are different than say NFL. They're fully guaranteed, and you can't alter them once they're signed. So you can't just renegotiate a contract and extend it. Like, yeah, there's no salary cap manipulation. Right. Yeah. So you can only sign a new contract with less than a year left on your deal. So Hedman, they couldn't re-sign Hedman long-term right now. They have to wait till January 1 to do so. Because at January 1, he'll be entering the last year of his contract. When Stamkos eight years ago signed, and he decided, you know, a couple days before that July 1st, he went to Toronto, went to Buffalo, wherever else, talked to a few other teams, and decided to stay in Tampa. Right. 
So he announces that on you know June 26th, 7th, whatever it was, and he signed his deal. Victor Hedman signed his extension on July 1. Immediately. Uh-huh. And we know Hedman and Stamkos are very tight. So some of it could come down to that, too. Are they going to re-sign Hedman as well? Yeah. I don't know that. I just know that that's what happened last time, is that the day that Hedman could start signing a contract one year out, he had already re-signed his extension, or signed an extension for eight years with Tampa Bay to stay with Stamkos that long. I think the biggest thing, quite frankly, is Breezebaugh needs to know what is what do we have, it, you know, mm-hmm. it, what is you know, what does Stamkos look like at the end of this season? Does he look like a guy that's got one or two or three more years? Did he make it to the end of the season? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, you know, he's an older player. And so far, so good, but well, the one thing turn The one thing quick. we've seen on this franchise the last couple of years is as you age, father time catches all. It's undefeated. And, and it, you know, one of the issues the Lightning had last year particularly was the bottom six, the speed on the bottom six. They got yeah. old quick. Yeah, love Corey Perry as a player, but the amount of speed he lost from two years ago to last year was significant. Oh yeah, I was just watching him on the ice; it was night and day, palatable. Yeah, you know, he was thirty-eight years old. Mm-hmm. It happens to everybody. Yep. You know, Stamkos is going to be thirty-four. Yep. You know what is what does that look like with a guy who had been injured? I, I think that's what they're evaluating. And you know, the other thing is is right now that Lightning have some players hurt. Chernak's out on, on LT, or he's day to day right now. Sergachev and Fleury are on LTIR. Tanner Janot's out for a while. They've been calling up a lot of young guys. Yeah. This is a great opportunity, one, for the young guys to get experience. But two, it's a lot of the lightning to see who they, what do they got down there? I mean, what's the future? They yeah. haven't, uh, the last few years haven't been able to call a lot of guys up. And that, Grant, their prospect pool isn't what it used to be because they don't have draft picks anymore. And, you know, when you yeah. draft late and you've traded them all, but, how good does Emil Lilleberg look right now? Really good. You know, now he's played four games. You know, we'll see how he progresses, but love what you see so far. Yeah. And and now they're bringing uh, Walteri Merrilla back. He made the, he was sent down for opening day, came back up once Vasilevsky went on LTIR on game two, was here for 14 games, played okay. He's coming from Europe, different ice, different, you know, different type of game, but he's gone down to Syracuse and played really well. He's coming back up now. He might play tonight. Yeah. We'll see. Um, you know, that they're getting a chance to see some of these younger guys to kind of know what they have, first of all. Because if you've got younger guys you can that are going to be a big part of your team going forward, even if it's third and fourth line, those are cheap contracts. That's what you want. It allows yeah. you to have more money to, to, to sign a stamp coast if you want to keep them. You know, it's instead of, of if we have to go sign free agents. Yeah, that's more expensive. You know, and that's part of what Breezeball has said is I need to see what the roster is going to look like. I need to see what we have, what the team's going to look like. And, yeah. and the, right now, these injuries stink. You know, particularly when you've got three at the, the back end right now, Chernak, Sergachev, and Flurry all out. But it yeah. is giving opportunity for, other, for them to check out some young guys and see how they play in the NHL, not just Syracuse. So that yeah. is all part of the equation. And Breezeball has you know, said at the beginning of the season, he said it in his chat with the writers earlier this week. You know, the, the exact same message. Now, if Stamkos is hurt by it and has decided he wants to leave, that's, you know, that's obviously his prerogative. I don't, I don't think a decision like that's been made yet, but, and, and, you know, of course they go on and win the cup this year, then all bets are off. Yeah. Then it's, then Baker and Stamkos are signing huge contracts on the same day. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and we can cover that. But yeah, you know, if all you have though is a guy that's still pretty good on the power play and can give you a face off or two, and that's about all you got, I don't know that he makes it. You know, it just it just depends. But he's certainly more than that in that you know in that room, as they say. So it's hard. It's hard to know when to let let go of people. You you know, Belichick had this yeah. thing where he'd rather let go of somebody a year too soon than too late. I mean, think about this. Um, Steven Stamkos became the captain of the Lightning 10 years ago. 10 years ago. The, the anniversary of that's coming up. I don't remember the date. I'm going to try to look right. it up real quick here. Here's the other thing while you're looking that up. Uh, when will Stamkos' value at this age be higher? Let's assume he gets through the whole year healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got. He ends up with... I don't know what thirty-five goals or some forty goals or something like that. I don't know what he has now. Do you know what he has now? It's like under twenty, right? Uh, yes, it's under twenty. But well, let's say he does thirty-five to forty goals, for example. Um, is that enough? Like, is that enough to say? Yeah, you know, the intangibles are so big. He's not really. He's more of a power play guy. You know. I don't know if he's our yeah. first line guy necessarily. Stamkos has eighteen goals right now. He's eighteen. All right. So even if you doubled that, he's at you know thirty six. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's a good season, real good season. Mm-hmm. Most most of them on the power play, I would get, I would get, gather. I, I don't know for sure, but he's got half of his goals are on the power play. Half. Okay. So you know he's he's got a role. He's got he's got mm-hmm. obviously got scores mentality, and he can do that. But if you think that you're not going to get anything besides a, an occasional power play goal and then, you know, some face-off time or whatever, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Got to move on sometime, man. It's hard to let go of these guys. It really is. I mean, right now he's at a point-per-game production, which is good. That's great. That's really good in the NHL. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, Nikita Kucherov's at 1.67. That's just absurd. But... That's just sick, yeah. But he and Braden Point are at a point-per-game. They're the next two scores on the team. Wow. As far as per game. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. A lot of decisions. Great question. Great mailbag today. And we got some more left over maybe for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to get you ready for the Bucks at, can't believe I'm saying this, at Detroit. They're having another playoff game in Detroit. The NFC Ford North Field. division battle. Yeah, man. And, and it is indoors, right? It's at Ford Field. Yeah, how are you going to handle that walk from the the rental car place to the hotel? <laughs> you know what? It sucks. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I mean, to me, it doesn't matter where they play it because there hasn't been an open-air press box since, like, Veterans Stadium where I froze my butt off. So whether I'm – you know, whether they're playing outside or not, I'm not, okay? Pretty much anywhere in the NFL. But Detroit in particular is a long walk – outside to uh to the media entrance as i recall and yeah uh they're talking about single digits i had i was on a radio show up there it was three degrees i was like wow i haven't been that cold in a very long time and i remember what it's like so i'm gonna bring a really really heavy jacket try to find my long underwear and just get bundles as i can be because i don't like the cold at all i don't when it's when it's below freezing like that, and I don't mean just a little below, but like way below freezing, you can get trouble out there, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can get your face burned off. Um, I remember when we, me and you, uh, after Tom Jones left the podcast, I think our first show was from me in Minnesota at the Super Bowl, and 
it was colder in Minneapolis that week than it was in the South Pole, <laughs> if that's saying anything. And they were, had warnings out that, like, if you go outside, be sure uh, to cover your nose and your mouth. And it's like, oh, all right, why? I, I remember living there walking one block downtown and, like, your eyelids ooh. were frozen. And, and they said, because if you don't, and you're breathing that air that's that cold, your lungs will start to freeze. Because, you know, if you think about mm-hmm. it, this is full of vapor. It's full of water. Uh, they, they don't turn their car engines off pumping gas when it's that cold. No. And so you had to have a scarf over your nose to kind of get that carbon dioxide going a little bit and, and prevent the uh, variable <laughs> the freeze of your lungs. That's the thing about cold, man. I can go out here. My car can break down. I'm going to get hot. Maybe need a bottle of water or two. I'll calm down. I'm not going to die. <laughs> I'm not going to die. But up there, yeah, you could freeze to death. <laughs> Absolutely. You sure could. So I don't know. I'm going to layer up. I, I was I was talking to Lomas Brown. Some guys that were up there the other day who said, yeah, wear lots of layers because once you get inside, you can take them all off again. You know, so that's what you got to do. Anyway, we'll be back tomorrow to uh, preview the Bucks against the Detroit Lions in the NFC Divisional Playoff game. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your questions. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tempe Times. Have a great day, everybody. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.